Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. But I can feel a change in the wind right now. Nothing's in my way. Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How is everybody tonight? I am really excited because we have some great speakers on tonight that you can ask questions, and I would like to uh, introduce them. Uh, remember that we are now the Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine. Uh, that's what our Blog Talk Radio name is, and believe it or not, we are um, creating and have created the Institute for Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine. There has been a marriage of sorts between MTHFRsupport.com, which are the great methylation people, and the bioindividualized medicine people. So, um, I don't know, is he still on here? Wait, wait, hold on. There's Sean. Okay, Sean, you on there? Okay, great. Okay, first person hanging out, uh, who's going to be answering questions tonight is Sean Bean, and uh, he popped off again. Anyway, <laughs> and Sean Bean, as you well know, is a nutritionist with several years of experience working with challenging med- medical cases. He has a Bachelor of Science from Westchester University and has numerous certifications. He's one of the few specialists in the United States that can um, understand the genetic polymorphisms and correlate it with your clinical condition, okay? And he has worked with many doctors. As a matter of fact, he teaches an awful lot of doctors, and we're happy to have him here. Also on is Sterling Hill. Sterling, you there? What is going on? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, great. (laughs) I don't know who's here and who's not. Okay, I don't see Sean anymore. I'm sure he'll pop up again. Okay, Sterling is the creator of mthfrsupport.com, and uh, from some adversity that she had in her life, she discovered MTHFR, and I believe that um, she did most of the teaching uh, when it concerned Ben Lynch. He was one of the people that, um, that she introduced to MTHFR. He has been one of the major researchers, major advocates for MTHFR and methylation, and um, she is one hellishly brilliant individual. Uh, most of you know her from uh, the Sterling's app, which is the um, computer program that reads the genetic polymorphisms that we all use to interpret. 
Uh, it's really, really an honor to have her aboard. And we also have Cynthia Smith. Cynthia, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Cynthia Smith is um, has interests in functional medicine, clinical nutrition, genetics, and nutrigenomics. And she utilizes nutrition, genetics, and comprehensive health history and test data. Uh, via Genova Diagnostics, Neurosciences, SpectraCell, Cyrex, Precision Analytical, and many other uh, testing to determine SNP expression. Uh, she has um, personal uh, experience with various conditions, so she is not only sympathetic, she's empathetic. And um, she has a very, very, very interesting professional background. Okay, she is also... She, uh, She's not an MD, but she works as an electrical engineer, and she won't tell you that she worked on the space shuttle, but hey, what can I say? Okay, um, and cell phone technology, she is a, she's also a JD, which puts her in the doctorate level, and she worked as a patent attorney for nine years, and I don't know where she got the energy, but she now is one of the leading clinicians in this area of methylation, nutrigenomics, and bioindividualized medicine. So guys, I am really happy you're here tonight. Sean, are you on there? I'm right here, Jeff. Okay, buddy. Uh, would you like to introduce, uh, we had a little discussion just before. Uh, you wanted to introduce a concept before we started answering questions. Yeah, um, one of the major concepts that we're running into as practitioners is, is um, one of the best analogies is, is the breaking gas system. So many practitioners are trying to accelerate the system without putting the proper braking, braking system in check. Um, this is a huge factor because a lot of times it's like people are trying to take methylfolate and they're having adverse reactions to it, okay? One of the side effects of methylfolate and one of the good ideas of doing a neurotransmitter test is, is to check to make sure your excitatory, nor, your excitatory neurotransmitters are in check before applying um, methylfolate. Because methylfolate can increase the catecholamine. It has in a lot of my clients, as well as a lot of the doctor's patients that I've gone to. Um, and catecholamines are what? Catecholamines are the um, neurotransmitters that are related to excitatory responses in relationship to stress. Um, as Jess would describe it, it's kind of like, you know, remember... Jess, can you give your depression of what a catecholamines are? Oh, it's, e it's easy to remember, people. Catecholamines start with C-A-T, so always remember. Okay, remember the cat on the hot tin roof. Okay, and you'll always remember that catecholamines are excitatory. You see, I'm not as brilliant as Sean, so I have to remember it a different way, but everybody remembers how I remember it. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean, I'm sorry. Best way to remember catecholamines is it's a gas pedal. Okay, um, mm -hmm. psychology can be explained in basically two sentences. Okay, you either gotta put your, you either gotta pull your foot off, you either gotta pull your foot off the gas, and apply the braking system, or you've got to apply the braking system and hope you can apply enough brakes in order to slow the person, and in order to slow the person down. So one of the things I always recommend people do is, as practitioners, is work on the braking system. Okay, if the braking system is not in place, you're doomed to total failure. Okay, this is where that glutamate GABA 
um, ratio comes in. It's also got to do with um, histamines, which can go through the DAO enzyme. It can also go through the MAL-B enzyme. It's, it's associated with histamines. So you always want to assess the person's um, neurological imbalances first, okay? You just ask simple questions. Do you have anxiety? You know, how do you feel in stress situations? You know, you know I usually use the um, um, traffic. I mean, if somebody's, if you're driving in traffic, you, A, you know, ignore, you've got a person who's on your tail, I'm like, do you ignore them? Or B, do you want to um, shoot the finger? Or B, or C, you want to run them down? And people usually get a good, you'll get a good indication of the expression when people tell you, like, you know, that people really annoy me and stuff. Like, all right, well, then we have to work on the braking system first. And the braking system has to be modulated by um, working on GABA, serotonin, regulating glutamate levels, and making sure that other factors are in place. Um, one of the biggest things to help with the braking system is magnesium. Magnesium definitely helps to slow things down. Um, it works on COMT. So therefore, if you're COMT yellow and you have a client who is climbing up the walls needing deficiency, you can expect them to actually express, instead of a yellow, as a red. Because magnesium is needed for at least roughly about 30% of the enzyme's function, okay? And that's to break down your catecholamine. So, so what, you, so what you're saying is that we have to look at not only the SNPs, but the person's complete condition. Absolutely, Jeff. There's too many people that are, there's too many practitioners are following protocols out there, and the protocols, you know, they may have some merit, but they're not addressing the whole person. They're addressing the SNPs alone and hoping that you get a good therapeutic effect from it. But what I've seen is, is when people follow protocols, they end up in total disaster. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. So how about we take a – that was a great introduction, Sean. Thanks. Let's take a call. Uh, just, the way, just so everybody knows, the way that this works tonight is uh, if you have a question, we're complete. The whole show is all question and answer. <clears throat> you can call 646-595-2277. Uh, and I'm looking at the chat room right now. It has several people in it. If you have a question there, you can type it in. Uh, if you had a question beforehand, I have several questions that were emailed to me. So let's take the person who has been waiting the longest. Hi, nice person in the 732 area code. Are you there? Yes, this is Kathy. How and are you? Hi, how are you? Do you have a question for the group? Uh, yes, I have two questions. I have one for you and one for Cheryl. Um, I'm taking Medrill for my adrenals. Um they're not sure if I have Addison's disease or if I just have severe adrenal fatigue. I feel better. They put me on 24 milligrams for two days, and I started to drop down today a little bit. And I would say I'm 30 to 40% better, thrilled to death. Um, what I'm wondering, I was also going to support my adrenalins with the old adrenaline. You're going to support your Addison's, Can I switch over? eventually to a supplement and get off a steroid? When you're dealing with the clinical evaluation of Addison's, mm -hmm. that is replacement for the rest of your life on pure okay. Addison's. Okay. Because otherwise, you will die. Right. Okay? 
I have been and, through and this. And Kathy, you're not there, by the way. Okay. Go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have been through this rigmarole with uh, cortisol, and I almost died three times. I had wow. to literally get rushed to the hospital because I went into adrenal crisis because yeah. I tried to remove myself off hydrocortisone when the stress that was causing me the problem um, was still in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Once I got rid of once I um, got rid of that stress, mm-hmm. I was actually able to come off hydrocortisone mm-hmm. um, very quickly and swiftly. Okay. But mm-hmm. the way I did it, I don't recommend people to do it, but I mm-hmm. did a lot of research behind it, okay? When you're addressing the adrenal glands, the first mm-hmm. thing you always want to do is, why are you having a stress in the first place, mm-hmm. okay? You need to look at the several factors that are driving the reason why you need it, okay? Mm-hmm. Because Addison is a clinical diagnosis that is given by an endocrinologist mm-hmm. um, that falls into specific criteria. Mm-hmm. And as I noted before, that is a medical condition that needs to be medically treated. Correct. Uh, and, that, and that replacement is for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that there is a fine line between that yellow, the, between the, the gray areas. And okay. that's what we call mm-hmm. adrenal insufficiency. Okay? Mm-hmm. Adrenal fatigue is like a, uh, adrenal fatigue is like a poo-poo term. Okay? Mm-hmm. The correct term is adrenal insufficiency. And when you have adrenal insufficiency, your body produces cortisol, but it doesn't produce enough cortisol to deal with your daily functions. And if you have an infection, okay, with mm-hmm. many of my other many of my clients, they have optimal cortisol levels in their in their 24-hour um, cortisol saliva test, mm-hmm. but they don't have enough to deal with their daily functions. So mm-hmm. the practitioner will look at their cortisol levels and say you're perfectly normal, but you know what? You're not. Because yeah. when your body's in a state of inflammation, it's like trying to, it's like a big fire, okay? Think right. of fire as the inflammation and the mm-hmm. cortisol as the fireman, okay? Mm-hmm. When your cortisol levels are low and you have high inflammation, it's mm-hmm. like trying to put out a, a forest fire with poor, poor firemen. It's not right. going to work. Right. Okay? You need to call in the reforce. You need to either, you know, lower the inflammation or you need to call in more reinforcements, okay, which is more adrenal support. Mm-hmm. So that's why people sometimes when they do uh, a blast pack of prednisone, they feel better. They're like, wow, I feel really good on this stuff. Well, that tells me that your adrenals aren't working properly. Right. So that's an indication. But when you're dealing with a medical condition, it definitely needs to be monitored by uh, a trained medical professional, especially an endocrinologist who makes that determination. But if you have not Addison's, but have adrenal insufficiency, mm-hmm. then there are ways to taper down off the um, steroid. The steroid itself. But how long have you been on it for? Well, you know, I went over to Europe in 2005, and I saw, I don't know if you know Thurry Herzog. He's like a fourth-generation yeah. endocrinologist. Yeah, and he diagnosed Terry. me, he said, over in Europe, I would be considered as having Addison's. But he said, you know, the United States, they don't even address adrenal fatigue. He didn't mean alternative you know, he just met regular endocrinologist. And he put me on four milligrams of Medrol because he put me on Medrol because my blood pressure was high and he felt that was the safest to support my adrenaline. And he did a whole panel of testing, uh, like 40 tests on me, and, you know, it, it, it was a great experience because he knows the hormones inside and out. And he said, Kathy, you can't support just one hormone. I mean, you've got to balance. You're having dominoes. Everything's getting knocked down. 
So within three weeks, he did tell me to cut out sugar. And, you know, he was pretty much into nutrition, but not as much as now. Now he's big time into it. But, you know, he said, get, cut out the sugar, you know, cut out the caffeine, because I was drinking caffeine, I guess, to keep me going. And he said, you know, in three weeks, Sean, I went from being in bedridden for, for mm-hmm. at least six months or more, an electric cart, got on a plane, went over to Brussels. Three weeks, I cut out the sugar. I took the Medrol. I took the estrogen, I took the progesterone, I never even took the thyroid because I have Hashimoto's. He said, support the adrenalines before you ever support the thyroid. Absolutely. And the next thing you know, That's three weeks later, point. I'm out riding a bicycle. And people are looking at me like, this, how did this girl go from being bedridden to riding a bike? I mean, I thought they thought I was crazy. I don't think he realized I had leaky gut and other things back at the time. That's true. And I do right. have a big problem with gluten. So, so Kathy, you know, um, that was my first experience. I don't know if you believe or, you know, I also went to functional medicine doctors, and, you know, they did the cortisol test, the saliva, and I, I've had it four times. I'm always on the floor. So my DHEAs. Do you still agree that, you know, when you support the adrenaline, do you still think that you should do bioidentical hormones or no? I think sometimes by supporting the adrenals, you'll be able to produce them, you'll be able to um, shift the metabolic pathways back to where you're okay. supposed to. Because okay. if you give cortisol, your body might sense, say, hey, I got enough cortisol. Let me not divert progesterone into the cortisol pathway. Okay. So gotcha. there is a great possibility, but mm-hmm. there are several other factors, which, you know, if you want to contact one of us, that's fantastic. But okay. um, there are several factors which need to be evaluated, okay? Okay. Uh, functional medicine does a great job of diagnostics, but yep. one of the missing keys is, is they don't know how to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Right. They don't. I don't they, know. They, they don't know the twenty-three of me. It's the ones I went hey guys, to. Okay. What, listen. What, Sean, I'll let you what go. Sean is saying. What Sean's saying is that. There's a fine line between Edison's and adrenal insufficiency, right. and there are all kinds of, uh, you know, cross cross uh, reactivities, cross things that have to be uh, paid Address. attention to, and right. then you can't you can't just do this on your own. But gotcha, we had good. a couple of other calls. If if Go we ahead. get a low, call you. back with your other question. Thanks, Kat. Okay, thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to add something to her discussion. Um, okay. First. Supporting adrenals before thyroid, before bioidentical hormones is always key. Absolutely. The second thing is I didn't get her age, so I don't know if she's in her 50s or if she's in her 40s, and that's a factor as well when you're doing bioidentical hormones. If you're supporting Mm -hmm. somebody who's younger with bioidentical hormones and they haven't had their adrenals and thyroid function checked, that could be a problem, especially if they have COMT. The other thing I wanted to point out is that a lot of the cortisol testing only shows a, a, a level of cortisol at a particular time, and then they draw a graph. I think ZRT is one, um, but there's a, a new test out by Precision Analytical that will not only show you the levels of cortisol, but will break um, the intermediate metabolite down in a nice graph. Okay. Thank you. Uh, uh, Kathy's one of my patients, but I'm not at liberty right now to give her history of that or anything else. But uh, I will speak with her and see if I can discuss it with you guys uh, privately. Okay? We have another caller, a nice person in the 940 area code. Are you there? Hello? 
person in the 940 area code? I think that's me, but I'm new, so I'm just kind of listening to the hormone okay. thing. <laughs> okay. All righty. I'll put you back thanks, on hold and you can listen. <laughs> okay, thanks. The person in the 519 area code. Are you there? Hi, yes, I am. Um, and I this is like Dr. Mike. Go I ahead and ask your question. Yes. Um, I have a question about um, where best to spend health care dollars um, in terms of functional medicine and what to look for in a practitioner. I've, I've done tens of thousands worth of dollars and been all over the map, and I'm at the point of, I think, almost healed the leaky gut and, almost, and know that I have celiac disease now. I'm on bioidenticals. I'm on adrenal support. Um, I'm on thyroid support, and I'm just wondering what the best next steps are in choosing a practitioner and in testing now that I know also about my MPHFR and SNPs, etc. It's such a complex picture, and not people, not many people are really well versed in this. And I'm trying to take uh, the next best step. Your uh, your question is well taken, and I'll let every I'll let everyone answer it, but I'll take the first shot at it. Uh, if you've had if you've had good experience with functional medicine and you feel balanced and you feel reasonably well, but you're not 100% there yet, then consideration of the genetics becomes uh, uh, is going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. It'll probably point you in the right direction, and it's imperative that you select somebody who is well versed in not only in the polymorphisms but how to correlate your entire clinical condition and the polymorphisms. Uh, to uh, to give you better treatment or more targeted treatment. Okay, so that's where I think you're better. Um, your healthcare bucks are better spent by finding someone who does not only methylation but understands the entirety of the polymorphisms and has the ability to correlate the rest of your um, clinical condition, including the neuro neurology, endocrinology, immunology, mitochondrial function, cell right. wall stability, and so forth. Um, yeah. But I'm going to let the whole group answer that, please. Uh, Sterling, I know you're out there. Okay, somebody... Yeah, I'm here. Me? I'm here. What are, you, what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Okay, if she feels she's got leaky gut under control and she's supporting thyroid, adrenals, and stuff. Yeah, next is to look at the SNPs. But when she goes and looks at the SNPs, she doesn't want a doctor just looking on that paper and saying, hey, you have MTHFR, let me give you a bunch of methylfolate. She wants that practitioner to look and check that methylation pathway to see what she is actually deficient of, what could be expressing. Because just because you have a SNP doesn't mean that you're going to be deficient of something because they could backfire her again. Um, I, I think that is the most important thing when she's looking at a practitioner. They're not just going to look at that piece of paper and say, oh, you have this, now let's give you this. They need to do further testing. Unfortunately, there's not an easy answer. And if you want to not backfire, you need to have other tests run. What would some of those other tests be? For instance, For if you have MTHFR, Yes. You know, MTHFR um, has a lot to do with um, niacin, folate, SAMe, and riboflavin. You know, they might want to look and see if um, they, they think you're possibly deficient in that if you have multiple SNPs there. 
okay, in any, any of those things. They can look at different things, like, for instance, CME, they could look at homocysteine. Um, um, methylfolate, they can um, do red blood cell folate on you. Um, they, they can ch check your B2 as well. Um, they can check you for niacin. Um, but there's, um, there's a lot of um, companies coming out there now with panels related to methylation, and I know that Dr. Jeff, Sean and Cynthia know about those panels more than anybody, um, and they, one of them should be able to answer that. Um, again, if you have another SNP, um, you know, other SNPs also you would want to look at related to catecholamines like COMP and GAD, you would want to look at your neurotransmitters too, like Sean said in the beginning, look at those neurotransmitters before, you know, applying the gas. Yeah. So um, that's really important to do, really important. Thank you. You're welcome. Cynthia, would you like, would you like to chime in? Um, yeah, I, I don't know the, the SNP pattern <clears throat> in this case, but as far as testing that Sterling mentioned, there's some really great tests out there. Uh, one of them is by a company called Health Diagnostics that measure the metabolites down to, you know, between the enzymes in the methylation pathway. So you could take a look at that. So, for example, if you had a high SAH, and you had COMP, then it's possible that you're down-regulating the COMP even further. Um, but the, 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 the real trick here is, and I was actually trained in functional medicine, I took all those classes, is to pull the lens up and look at the big picture and not just focus in on methylation. Focusing in on a test like, or using a test, I believe, like, um, health diagnostics is something that you do after you've been working with your practitioner. And the practitioner that you select should be somebody who you're comfortable with because we ask really hard questions. We ask questions about your, your uh, GI tract, your relationship, what you're eating, you know, history, all of that. So you have to be comfortable with your, your practitioner asking you those questions and being able to divulge those, uh, that history. Great. Sean, would you like to chime in? Yeah, I think Cynthia hit on some key points is, is you have to have a comfort level with a practitioner. Um, don't be afraid to interview them uh, on how they view things. Um, that way it gives you an indication of how they're going to approach the cases, okay? One of the things I would highly recommend is, is Number one is, is we need to see what testing has been done, and from that information we can extrapolate multiple factors that need further evaluations. Um, you said you're from the 519 area code, is that correct? Yes. So you're in, you're in Ontario, Canada, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, I have a lot of clients in Ontario, Canada, and what we try to do is we try to set up like points that if you're close to the American border, yes. um, you, can, you can sneak on over to LabCorp or um, Quest to do labs and stuff um, at a reduced cost. Oh, um, that's I'm great. working with. I'm actually working with a practitioner right now, revamping their entire um, testing to get it cut down to the bare minimum to reduce costs. Oh, that's okay? fantastic. And then that way, um, by selecting different tests and creating panels and stuff, we can actually negotiate with Quest to actually get a. Um, like a panel that may cost $3,000 that we might be able to get for four or $500. Oh, that's 
Oh, um, thank you. To reduce, to reduce cost. Um, as mm-hmm. Cynthia mentioned before, Precision Analyticals, um, yeah. you can do a full hormone panel for 250 bucks. Um, wow. You can have neuroscience. Um, because if you do precision hormones, you have the cortisol pathway. So all you need to do is neuroscience, which is, which is the neurobasic for 191. So between the... 140. I, it depends on what panel that you use. Um, yeah, my neuroscience I use the basic, so basic. far has been over $600, so that's a lot better. Yeah, so there's different ways. And one of the things I try to help um, just people in general to get um, is focus on cost. You know, how can you do this cheaper? And that's what I'm working with one practitioner um, in Canada to get things done cheaper because she has people fly in because she specializes in Lyme. So it's like they need major workup done because unfortunately Canadians system is very hard to get tests. Okay. Yeah. It's like pulling teeth. Okay. Um, unless you're an academic, even your academic, as they call it, I believe physician is not very cooperative. Um, even yeah. just naturopaths trying to get tests was very challenging for a lot of my clients. So we're setting up things in the future to where uh, uh, Canadians can come over to, uh, to Buffalo or to, you can go on to Private Labs MD if you wanted to. I'm and right order, on the border, of course, you're on Michigan. Yep, so you can yeah. find a lab core right across the border and pay money and jump right over to the border and then get the specific tests that you need that are based, okay? Um, and you need to work with a practitioner who you feel comfortable with, confident in, and who is right for you to decide which way you want to go. Thanks, Sean. That's very That is helpful. real good, real, real good advice. Very I hope we, answer, hope, we, hope we answered your questions. You guys are the best. Thanks a million. Thank you. Take care. Very Bye-bye. helpful. Okay, I have a question for the group that was emailed to me before. Uh, it says, hi, I was diagnosed with compound heterozygous MTHFR back in 2012 when I had two pl- blood clots in both lungs. My hematologist did the test and I found that I had both copies. However, she prescribed me folic acid. I had many people tell me I needed to stop it and take active B vitamins. I recently switched myself to something from Dr. Lynch's website called Homocystex, provides B2, B6, B12, quadrifolic acid, trimethylglycine, supports methylation and homocysteine metabolism. Uh, The thing is I got a bit dizzy after taking it. I've also been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, although it's an informal diagnosis because the other medicine didn't work, and I was quite sick for four months with horrible diarrhea. I also have Durkheim's disease. If you think I should be on a different kind of B vitamin or folate, please let me know. Thanks so much. Uh, people just always remember that we can't uh, we can't recommend specific products to specific people, but we can talk about uh, practically everything. So I know Sterling, you wanted to tackle this one. Yeah, I do. Um, being a um, survivor of pulmonary embolism, um, I can tell you. Um, yeah, the same thing happened to me. I was put on folic acid. Then I turned around when I discovered I was on the wrong thing. I was given high-dose folate and kind of went haywire, and it landed back in the hospital um, because things like work, other things weren't working, like adrenals, hormones, and I still had leaky gut. But um, first of all, um, just with the Durkin syndrome, um, that right there is related to tumor necrosis factor. And that 
is usually from leaky gut, okay? Um, leaky gut really would have to be addressed in this person. Also, maybe checking things um, like possibly um, um, did she have um, a history, a medical history for quinolones too, which we know that a lot of people who have been taking for quinolones, like myself, have had pulmonary embolism. Um, she's having problems with fats, of course, because she's getting the fatty deposits as tumors, and they're very, very painful. Um, they know that um, a lot of um, things to do with adrenal fatigue and hormone function, thyroid function, um, has to play with that too. And, of course, the gallbladder, you know, are things, apparently that's not working, and then there's probably some lipid issues. Um, me is um, suffering with a lot of things similar to her. Um, the best things that I found were, um, first, I had to find a doctor that would test me for every factor that, that was out there, and I did come up um, with factor 8 and factor 12. Hagman's um, factor 12 um, was only working at 49% and factor 8 was working at 211%. And then after being on Cipro and Levitone, I don't know if I should have said the name, but fluoroquinolones, um, for, off and on for a year, that's when I started developing blood clots in my lungs. Um, and then also the leaky gut and the, and the gallbladder had to be removed. Um, but leaky gut is the biggest thing she wants to look at and then look at things like the antiphospholipid syndrome, um, lupus, the factor deficiencies, protein C, protein S. Um, she needs to find a hematologist that will really listen to her. And if she would, she could also contact me. My email is out there, bplotaware at gmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to talk to her where she could go to start getting help with that because I know it is pretty scary when you suffered with um, pulmonary embolism. It is a very terrifying experience. Um, it's, it's hard to get past. Um, it causes a lot yeah, of emotional trauma. Yeah. It's a tough one. It really is. She's more than welcome to contact me to get into it further. But um, leaky gut is the biggest thing that she needs to work on because almost anybody with the Durkin syndrome, tumor necrosis factor, so she's, you know, that, that, that's a sign of leaky gut and blood brain barrier leakage. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Another question. Another question. Do women with MTHFR 677T homozygous have to be careful when taking bioidentical hormones, estrogen and progesterone, and does calcium deglucurate supplement have special benefits for those of us who are MTHFR C677 homozygous? Um, Sean, I know you have to invite this one. <laughs> Well, first of all, if you're doing bioidentical hormones, I would highly recommend the precision analytical hormone test. Uh, it's been a blessing for a lot of my clients um, that identified that they sh should not be on bioidentical hormones um, because some of them shouldn't be on bioidentical hormones because their downstream metabolites, their metabolites aren't being addressed properly. Um, I believe every doctor who puts their... Um, person on, before they put person on bioidentical hormones, need to check the downstream pathways. Otherwise, you're going to end up risking them problems. Um, that's why it would be highly recommended to get the 23andMe done. Once you get your raw data, run it through Sterling's application, and that will give you a much better indication. Um, I just did a consultation today with a person who I had no history on whatsoever, 
And I was able to extrapolate how their sister may have potentially aroused, got breast cancer by their lifestyles and by what was causing the gene expression itself. And I had no data on that person whatsoever. And by asking specific questions, which in the future, we are going to have a handout for practitioners that's going to allow them to target specific genes, expressions based upon specific questions. Um, this is going to be a huge, huge um, diagnostic tool that's going to revolutionize a lot of things. So, first thing it's is... It's going to turn doctors back into doctors. Yes. And with a C677, you really cannot answer that question about the estrogen, okay? Because there's other factors that come into play. CYP1A1, 1A2, CYP1B1, you got COMT in there, okay? Now, to answer her question about the calcium glucurate, calcium glucurate works great for people who have gut dysbiosis because it reduces the beta glucuronization. I hate that word. The, um, <laughs> I the hate factor it too. By, yeah, but the factor by which your bad bacteria produce an enzyme that liberates estrogen that should be nicely packaged to be shipped out, it releases it, releases it into the bloodstream and recirculates again, okay? So anybody that has any kind of dysbiosis, namely gram-negative bacteria, um, should look into calcium glucurate because it will help uh, control the estrogen. Calcium glucurate is also a safety valve for the, um, when, other de when other liver de detoxification pathways aren't working, this is the backup system, okay? So calcium glucurate is very crucial. But remember, too much of a good thing is a bad thing because calcium glucurate will also remove hormones from your body, okay? So I have a couple people who are taking 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of calcium glucurate, okay? And as soon as I started looking into their history and stuff, I saw they were on hormone replacement therapy. I suggested them to re remove the calcium glucurate from, two, from 2,000 down to 500, and, they're, and they're, they actually went hyper on their meds. They were, as fast as they were putting out, they were excreting it out. So you need to be careful with calcium glucurate in relationship to higher doses, in relation to uh, sex hormones and other medications. Excellent, excellent. Now I have um, I was on a um, on a blog site last night, and um, I've noticed that um, at intervals the same questions get asked and. Uh, We've been doing this for a long time. Realize that people, uh, you know, are new to uh, methylation and MTHFR, and uh, get a little frightened and a little um, uh, taken aback when they uh, get the quote-unquote diagnosis, which isn't a diagnosis. But I saw this particular um, string of uh, questions, and I wanted to uh, bring it to the group and bring it to everybody out there. And if you're from the south, from to all y'all. Okay, and this individual stated, I've been taking 5-methylfolate for five months, started with 5 milligrams, no problem, added methyl B12 after two months, and then started feeling bad. It just got worse. I can, uh, cannot take any other methyls, switched to uh, adenosyl B12, and now reduced methylfolate to 400 micrograms. I thought the whole basis of having the MTHFR diagnosis is that we need methyls, and now I'm not tolerating any. Do we need it or not? Yes, I have CBS and COMT. Is it possible to have compound hetero 
heterozygous MTHFR not need methylation, or not need methyls. Cynthia, you want to tackle this one? Sure. Um, MTHFR SNPs are not a diagnosis. They are not. So if somebody runs out and gets 5-methyltetramidrocholate and methyl B12, which is the typical blend, they might get into trouble if those downstream pathways are not open with proper cofactors like minerals, all the B vitamins except for folate, and then the byproducts of the Krebs cycle, which are NADH and FADH2, which in turn depend on vitamins B1, B2, B3. So you have to start, think about it as an octopus, and you have to think about working on the octopus arm first. Open up those pathways before you hit the top of the octopus, which is what I call the upstream or the methylation part, the actual methylation part. So when you start taking methylfolate and methyl B12 and the rest of the pathways downstream are not open, you could have problems. This is magnified if you have COMP and you're low in magnesium because now you start messing up your neurotransmitters. Your excitatory neurotransmitters go up, your anxiety goes up. Um, if you think about COMP as an eight-lane highway, if you have COMP, it might be a six-lane highway or a four-lane highway, and or if you have are low in magnesium, you could have an eight-lane highway genetically, but it's going to act like a six-lane highway. <laughs> the problem comes in when you're trying to break down estrogen, specifically estrone, first through liver detox phase one, which Sean mentioned, which would be 1B1, um, there's also 1A1, 1A2, that creates these intermediate metabolites that are dangerous. Those then have to go through phase two, and some of those have to go through COMT. So that's two of the lanes of the eight-lane highway, these estrogen metabolites. The other, uh, or sorry, that's four of the lanes. The other four lanes are dopamine and epinephrine, which is also called adrenaline. So if somebody's under stress and they've got, you know, estrogen issues to deal with, they're high estrogen because they have CYP1B1 and COMT and 1A1 and 1A2, they're going to get into trouble. And when they stress that COMT enzyme further by adding methylfolate and methyl B12, that's just going to create these excitatory neurotransmitters that we talked about earlier on the show. So before you go to that place, it's best to, if you're going to supplement, if you can, check out your levels of B vitamins and minerals and the cofactors um, that are related to the Krebs cycle, make sure they're in place first, and then address adding folate and B12. And for COMT, it's really best to, to stay with other forms of B12, such as hydroxy and adenosyl, and not adding more methyl groups. Um, some of the testing you could do to look at those cofactors are uh, Genova Diagnostics, NutriVal, SpectraCell. See what your levels are. Um, there's also supplements that have been specifically blended for this that include all of these cofactors except for B12 and folate. In that case, you can customize what B12 you're taking, and you can also add in the folate later. And I think Seeking Health has some really good supplements in that area. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, <clears throat> I guess what you're saying is, you can't treat the SNP on its own. 
Okay, it's something that we keep um, keep advising people that there are other uh, applications out there that um, you know kind of advise people, you know, what to take, what they should take, what they shouldn't take. Okay, and that can be inherently dangerous because they're not talking about you individually, even though it's your genes. They're not taking into account uh, the entirety of your physiology. Okay, plus they don't have access to, uh, you know, your uh, hormone levels, your um, uh, trace mineral levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I'm getting more and more people who are trying to follow protocols when they're making presumptions about the uh, polymorphisms. And um, I'm seeing more and more stuff like this. This, this, this young woman was overmethylating. And um, if she worked with somebody who understood the pathways, uh, that probably wouldn't have happened. And um, so, anyway, we have another caller. Thank you, Cynthia, by the way. Okay, hold on. And nice person in the 847 area code. Are you there? Um, yes. Um, I am going to ask uh, two questions, and one you might not be able to answer. Um, oh, I never a, say that. Never say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the one that has the MTHFR, um, homozygous, and the comp, um, homozygous, and a bunch of other things. But okay. um, I, I cannot um, digest or even, I don't even like the smell of thiamine, of vitamin B1, but I can take benthiamine, the oil-based. Um, have you guys ever heard of someone that can't take regular, regular thiamine? What? I'm sorry, could you repeat what you said? I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Oh, okay. Is, is it my phone? No, it's, uh, I think, uh, I, Sean, I apologize. I'm going to put you on hold again because of the background noise. Um, okay, there you go. I, I take all my B, all vitamins individual. I can't do any kind of multi because I can't digest or can't even stand the smell of B1. It gets me sick. But I can take the um, fat, uh, the fat-based one, which is benthiamine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Have you guys no, no. ever heard of anyone like that before? Well, you said that um, you have digestive problems, yes? Um, yeah, but um, even when I, my digestive issues are fine, I, I can't even stand the smell of it. And and maybe I don't I, I I could just stick with the one I'm taking. But as we as I was listening, I thought hmm, I wonder if anyone has ever heard of that before. Well, it's a bit of a new one on me. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, um, B vitamins stink. If you open the capsule and smell the powder, it ju- they just stink. So my question is, if you take a, a, a supplement like B minus, for example, that has all the B vitamins that we're talking about for the downstream pathways, and you're smelling it and tasting it, is it because you're somehow kind of burping it? Or, I mean, because you shouldn't be able to smell it if it's in the capsule when you swallow it. Um, I, I must be hypersensitive because I can smell it in a capsule. I can smell it even on other people's breasts if they, if they take thiamine. I mean, it's... Wow. Uh, <laughs> do you take uh, uh do you uh, react to strong perfumes and stuff? Yes, I yeah. do. Okay, you have uh, other other uh sensitivities to the chemicals or smells? Yeah. Okay, so if you have other if you have other sensitivities, okay, do you have um 
any autoimmune diseases or um, um, uh, things like high. Say again. Uh, Lyme disease. Hmm. Okay. And um, when did this come upon you? You know, um, probably the last like fifteen years. It's it's in, it's been going on for a long time. And maybe it's not an issue because I can take another type of B1, but I was just trying to save money by being able to no, no. not have your, to take them your off. Point is, your point is, I understand what you're asking. Uh, if you have no, if you aren't having digestive problems, which may be a bit bit debatable, and you're having um, reactions to other smells and other, uh, some people will call that multiple chemical sensitivity, which is usually right. a result of ongoing um irritation or inflammation in the body, okay? Mm -hmm. And why why the body says you're not going to like thiamine or you're not going to like, um, you know, uh, Estee Lauder perfume or whatever, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that um, I would take a look at your gut. I would take a look at uh, why your body's inflamed. And uh, mm -hmm. you, may, you may just be, you know, you may selectively pick that particular smell. By the way, that smell makes me sick too. It's like whoa. It does. Uh, well, you know. I think it's a, a man-made chemical. I mean, it is. I don't. I don't. So it is synthetic. So well, just remember, uh, most of the yeasts are, are are. I mean, most of the bees are made out of yeasts. You know, okay. the, the natural ones. But um, it sounds to me like you may be describing uh, a multiple chemical sensitivity. Do you also have like um, like numbness or tingling anywhere, or uh, symptoms of? POTS, like uh, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia yeah. syndrome? Yes, yes, yes. both of them, yes. Okay. Remember that dysautonomia, which is that, is usually the result of long-term inflammation, okay? And the long-term inflammation affects the, um, affects the uh, receptors in your body. Okay, when it starts hitting the receptors in the autonomic nervous system, you start getting things like POTS and orthostatic intolerance and any of the dysautonomic conditions. And recently, uh, we've been treating people by uh, bringing down their inflammation, usually by treating their gut and identifying root causes and so on and so forth. And we've been doing a pretty good job, okay, of, of helping people. But the thiamine, um, the, the reaction to thiamine may have been the beginning of a whole long list of things that... Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it's the thiamine there. I think, although it is obviously, but I don't think it's the thiamine primarily. Uh, my um, my thought would be that you have chronic inflammation, and if you look at the whole condition, which we're only getting a little glimpse of here, you're seeing that you're getting all the results of uh, chronic long-term inflammation because you know usually a leaky gut will cause immune upregulation, okay, immune dysregulation, and that's where you start getting into autoimmune diseases and dysautonomia and stuff like that. Uh, so um, by itself, by itself, um, you know, it's, it's a strange thing, but if you look at the whole person and look at, you know, all the inflammatory um, possibilities that, you know, what inflammation can do, then it begins to make sense. Are you there? Did I lose everybody? I'm here. Okay, did I lose this nice lady? Did I lose you? Hello? Hello? I think Hello? I must have lost that other nice lady. Oh, my gosh. And, okay, I'm sorry, this is Dr. Armine, 
And um, <laughs> I was talking to another person, and I guess they got dropped by uh, by mistake. Anyway, uh, could you hold on just a moment? No, she's right there. She's back. Okay, hold on, please. Did I drop you by mistake? No, you didn't. My cell phone went dead. Oh, okay. I'm saying here saying I didn't hit a button. I didn't hit a button. <laughs> okay. It was, but, you. Uh, it was just me. to complete just to complete the thought. Um, it sounds to me that you probably have uh, chronic inflammation from probably in several sources, and you may be sub-symptomatic or subclinical in your gut that you know you're not feeling anything, but your gut still may be very very leaky and producing. Uh, antibodies at a prodigious rate that would cause the uh, immune upregulation and therefore the immune dysregulation. There's several things to look at, but uh, if you take it as a whole, that that aversion that you have to the smell of thiamine and the fact that it makes you that ill, okay, could have been just the beginning of a long cascade effect. Okay, so it seems to make sense to me if we look at it from that point of view. Okay. Um, and then one, one other question is, I was the person that had sent in uh, the question regarding estrogen, and you guys had talked about you know, the importance of downregulation. Um, I did do the 23andMe, and then I put it through Sterling's uh, software. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys had mentioned you need to look at, like, COMT. Um, what were the other things? a person would need to look at to see if they can, I guess, metabolize estrogen or I'm not sure what I'm asking. <laughs> Sterling? Yeah, I'm here. Um, so you did my app and you're having estrogen issues, right? Well, um, I have bioidentical estrogen. I had a hysterectomy about 10 years ago. Oh, well. And when I had started taking it, I felt awful. And I told my doctor, so we cut it down. <laughs> but I don't know if I really should be taking it. Well, we have many SNPs related to estrogen metabolism. We have the CYP1A1, 1B1s, 1A2s, under detox and the comps also can play a role under methylation. And then you see the sulfonotransferase area at the bottom. Many people um, neglect, and that has to do with poor estradiol metabolism. That one can cause a lot of problems. You, um, and when your estradiol, you have trouble metabolizing it, you'll also end up um, not being able to break down bile salts. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you have a, um, multiple SNPs in those areas, yeah, you could be one that does not do well on bioidentical hormones um, until they get to um, a practitioner looks at the root of everything and kind of picks it apart for you piece by piece. Um, but also remember the sulfonotransferase genes. Um, they have a lot to do with estradiol metabolism and breaking down bile salts and can cause gallbladder issues as well. And so are we specifically thinking estrogen but not progesterone? Um, well, progesterone, um, I don't know if we have many SNPs related to progesterone. Do we have any on there? I don't think we do. No, I know we're going to get a more extensive um, pathways on hormones and stuff um, in the near future. Can, can, can I just comment here? Yeah. Um, the, the, most, the, the most dangerous, or what they classify as the most dangerous intermediate metabolite between phase one and phase two is the result of the activity of cytochrome C451B1 called CYP1B1 on your chart, on your Sterling's report. 
If you have that along with COMT and you're taking bioidentical hormones, I would strongly suggest that you do a testing either by precision analytics or Genova uh, Diagnostics to see how your estrogen is breaking down. It's not the estrogen per se, it's how it's breaking down. You want to you keep an eye on those. If you've got high uh, 4-hydroxyestrone or high 16-alpha-hydroxyestrone, you could have a problem because what that means is your phase one is just charging along and making these intermediate metabolites that are dangerous, and your phase two, uh, COMT, which is part of methylation, is limping along. And so you get stuck in this intermediate, these intermediate metabolites, which are very dangerous. And as Sterling said, sulfation is another pathway for estradiol. I'm talking more about estrone, so it's estrone, estradiol, and then there's one, a third one. But the three pathways that you can support if you find out that you're having issues with breaking down your bioidentical hormones because you've done the proper testing are supporting sulfation pathway, which is those, those SULT enzyme SNPs, supporting methylation, and supporting glucuronidation. But honestly, if you've got COMT and you're taking bioidentical hormones, you've got to every six months or so check how those pathways are working. See how your hormones are breaking down. Once they've been used, then they get to your liver, and the liver's processing them for excretion. That's where the danger comes in. Those intermediate metabolites can recirculate in your body, and that's what can cause issues that we associate with uh, fibrocystic breast disease, endometriosis, um, a whole bunch of, a whole, anything associated with estrogen. It's, the, it's that breakdown of the estrogen that's really causing the problem. Um, Cindy, um, are you taking Medicare yet, or, or are you going to? It's really hard to work with Medicare with, with these um, functional medicine testing companies. One thing I have to say is that precision analytical, analytical they don't even use insurance. So if you want to look at those pathways, they have a test that can look at your adrenal glands and or your sex hormones, which is what we're talking about here. You can do both for $250, or you could do one or the other for 150 But because they don't even deal with insurance, it's just a flat payment, and, and that's it. And, and I think just their tests are great. And can um, someone like me do it, or do I need a practitioner to... Um, write a prescription or, or, or process it? Well, if you use a practitioner, most of us don't upcharge our tests. In fact, I don't think any one of us upcharge our testing. No, we, we don't. don't do that. So I, I never do. And so if you go by yourself to do it, they, the company itself will upcharge you because they're going to require that they analyze the results with you. If you come to one of us, we, do not, we don't upcharge the test. Okay. I, I think at this point with all that you guys are talking about that I do need to see one of you, you know, because you have so much uh, knowledge and it, it gets really deep. Um, thank you very much, you guys. You're welcome. I you have a good night so then. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Yep. A nice person who's been patient in the 256 area code. This is Dr. Armine. How are you? Yes. How are you doing? Great. Do you have a question for the group? I think I do. My questions keep changing, though, because I've been hearing all this information. That's okay. Um, Go for it. <laughs> okay. Basically, um, my doctor tested me for MTHFR, and then she just 
handed me a bottle of methylfolate and uh, with B12. So I felt absolutely wonderful for, um, I'm not sure if it was two weeks or, or something. And then that's, I started that's having... the right timing, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I started having problems. Um, she just She just kept suggesting that, you know, I get off of it for a few weeks, try to reintroduce it for a few days, on again, off again. Um, then basically I um, had so much of a problem that I just gave up. So then I found a whole food um, organic source of a vitamin that had um, 420 MCGs of folate and 12 MCGs of B12 in it. And I started taking that, and I felt that I could really tell a difference, but I was not getting the, I didn't feel I was getting the, I didn't anywhere near get the, the side effects from the methyl products. I was also on hydroxy B12 with that. So my question is, do you feel that, um, that we could get some um, some side effects from this natural organic source of folate and this small amount of B12 in it. Well, that, that's that's a really difficult question to answer because on the one hand, you took higher amounts of methylating product and you had what you, there's three responses that people get to methylating products. One they take it the first day and they get immediately, Ugh, oh, my God, you know, I feel terrible, and they stop taking it. Two, they start taking it, they get to whatever therapeutic dose, and within a couple of weeks, they start feeling bad again, which is a condition of overmethylation. Okay, or they take it, they, get, and they feel better, and, you know, they continue along, and they've hit the nail on the head. So the question is, is it a matter of whether you need the folate or methylating products, or, do you, or you need only a smaller amount? It's tough, but when all you do is check the MTHFR, if that's all you're doing, what you're, if you'll excuse the indelicacy, your doctor's taking a crapshoot with you because you don't really know what caused that backup, you know, what's downstream, what's upstream of it, and to base the entire uh, treatment on one SNP that may or may not even be expressing is... I think that you've hit your doctor's uh, wall of knowledge, okay, and j they just know that a uh, person has MTHFR, give them 5-methylfolate. Um, anybody else? Yeah, can I say something? Natural sources of folate aren't methylfolate. Methylfolate is um, man-made. It's, it's the next phase. Folate you find in foliage, like into methylfolate, so um, it's not exactly methylfolate you're taking when you're taking a natural source. You're just taking natural folate. So they have two different reactions. I just wanted to add that in. Plus, when you're taking a natural folate um, from, like, a natural brand, most likely some of those things may have mold and stuff in them, too. So you really have to be cautious about that. Um, a lot of the natural products actually add probiotics in them, and you wonder why they add them in there. So 
that's another factor you need to take consideration. Also, when you take an oral vitamin B12, you're not going to assimilate any of that, okay? 12 micrograms oral is, like, going to get destroyed by your digestive tract. So anybody who's taken oral B12 at methylfolate or hydroxycobalamin, you're not going to get anywhere but 1%, 2% absorption out of that, okay? So, you know, when people just add, oh, um, I got vitamin B12, I ask them what form they're taking him, I'm like, it's not, getting, it's not doing you any good. You're basically just wasting your money. So if you're taking a natural form of folate, yes, it will get in there. But B12 is going to get destroyed by the system. Um, so that's another consideration. Another consideration, too, is, is yes, you may overmethylate, but also combination of methyl B12 and uh, folate go into glutathione, okay? A lot of people with the glutathione are like, oh, it's a sulfuration problem. Well, what I'm starting to find out is it's not so much a sulfuration problem. The glutathione is being converted to oxidized glutathione versus reduced form, okay? And it's turning into an inflammatory versus an anti-inflammatory. So, again, checking downstream metabolites and proper nutrition as highly stressed. I'm sorry, excuse me? What was that? It's crucial checking the downstream metabolites which are necessary for the conversion of oxidized to reduce glutathione. These are from the selenium. These are what Cynthia mentioned about having proper nutritional backing or support for trying to survive. Cynthia, myself, and Jess, we don't even engage in inflation until probably a month or into the process. Because if you address the person, a lot of the time, inflation threatens itself by doing what we're doing, and which will result in reduced supplementation and reduced need for unwanted variables. So you have to go back to the analogy, address the person, not the SNP. And that's what we're trying to help educate practitioners on to break the cycle. Can I just add something? I just want to add something. I think when you switched over to that other supplement, because it's food-based, I don't think it was doing anything. So that's why you weren't getting a reaction. I think before when you were taking the 5-methyltetrahydrofolate and the B12, you were getting a reaction. Um, I don't know if, if your B12 was sublingual. If it was sublingual, you were getting some effect from it. But as far as these food-based supplements, I, I tend to shy away from them now. Um, I, I used to think that was a, a really cool idea, but I don't think it's a cool idea anymore. I don't, I don't use them. Um, okay. As, as Sean mentioned, you've got to do the downstream work first, and that is all the B vitamins except for folate and all your minerals. So you, you, you've got to have the minerals in place. You've got to have the downstream B vitamins in place before you even think about uh, taking a, a folate. The other thing is if you're taking a food-based folate supplement, it has to go through uh, DA, the enzymes, DHFR, MPHFD1, three times because it has three different reactions before you even get to MPHFR. So if you have SNPs in that area, it, it, it's not going to do anything, honestly. If you've got SNPs in DHFR, MPHFD1, MPHFR, you've got to go straight to... Uh, 
5-methyltetrahydrofolate. But don't even go there until you've addressed your gut, you've populated uh, your body with the downstream cofactors for the other enzymes because there are dozens of them that are not shown on the typical drawing, uh, which, by the way, the, the, the new Sterling's app will have the drawings with all of these downstream enzymes, which will correlate with the new variant report, and you'll be able to see if you've got SNPs there and if you and, if, what cofactors are required. And just by removing calcium out of your diet, it's going to make the methylfolate work 10 times better, even if it's from a natural source, because the calcium from the milk, the, cal the casein, is actually blocking the folate acid receptor from doing its job. So just simple dietary evaluations, when you look at the SNPs, can change the and change the total outcome without even taking the supplement. Um, just by doing free stuff, um, it's fantastic. Because when I tell my clients, it's like, wow, that's great. I said, yeah. And the best part, it's free. Right. Okay. So it's it's all what um, Dr. Armand said. It, it's my doctor just is not, she's hit the wall on the knowledge. And remember, that's that's not that's not a that's not dishonorable. That's not a doctor. Remember, there's two types of ignorance: ignorance I don't know, and ignorance I don't care. You know, when a doctor is sitting there and hits their wall, um, what they should do as clinicians is research further. But some people have just hit walls, and you know they they don't think that there's anything else, and that's just you know that's okay. That's why our grassroots movement, all the shows we've been doing and teaching people, our patients, our, our, our listeners, and walking into the doctors saying, hey, there's more to this than you're letting me know. Here's, here's some literature. Here's some stuff. Come on, learn about this because, you know, um, it's going to be the answers to your questions, and that's why we have a lot of doctors who are um, trying to mentor with us and uh, why we're going to be giving courses very soon. Okay, because that would be this wonderful. Oh, yes. we're... we're uh, when is our course going to be, Cynthia? Sorry, I'm, I'm eating sweet potatoes. Um, it's going to be January, uh, I think, 18th. I have to look at that. No, 17th, 18th in Philadelphia. And we have, we're going to be having courses in Dallas and uh, Australia and London. Uh, we're going to be teaching these concepts, and it's going to be for lay people and physicians. Okay, and actually healthcare providers of any level and any ilk. And we're going to be video videotaping, and uh, we're going to be selling the course via videotape or DVD or however it works out. So you'll be able to uh, watch and learn. But um, this concept, these concepts, which is kind of going back to the old way of being a doctor, okay, if you think about it, okay, just uh, thinking and stop thinking in algorithms is, um, ooh, okay. Did I knock you out? No, there you are. Okay. Sorry about that. Are you still there? No. Yes, I am. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> okay, I think I kill. I think I knocked Sean on. Sorry. Oh. Um, he's making a lot of noise, you know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're really trying to bring doctors back to um, where they're allowed to think again. Okay, they've been following, you know, uh, treatment algorithms for so long that you know it's almost a fascinating thing if somebody thinks outside the box. But quite frankly, that's where we started. And um, if um, 
they look at it from this point of view, there's going to be a lot of chronic disease that's going to be resolved. Okay, and I guess I shouldn't say that because Big Pharma will be outside with a shotgun. But um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> there's more There's more money in keeping people sick than curing them. You know that. Okay, mm-hmm. so, um, but we're mm-hmm. we're very much into... Uh, finding out the whys and the upstream, the root causes, downstream effects, and all the overriding factors, and it takes an awful lot of work. But there's only a few of us, so that's why we're starting to teach. That's wonderful. So, did we answer your question? Um, you sure did. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You're most welcome. Have a good night. You too. Okay. Um, is the I have a question on the on the chat. Is the mold testing for the body or the place you live? Um, well, there's mold testing for both. Um, were we talking about a particular mold testing? Anybody? Um, when I did when I Googled for mold testing, I got mold testing for my apartment. Okay, it was my 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 space. But there there is a way you can look for yeast, which is the cousin of mold, in your blood serum. So you could do that as well. And in your in your what? Or does it yeast like candida yeah. yeast? Right in your what? In your blood serum. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, dark film microscopy, yeah. Yeah, or there's also I think LabQuest and uh, or, or LabCorp and Quest have a test as well, right, Sean? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean has yeah. uh, kind of dropped out. I, I think oh, he, okay. I think he hit a um, he hit a. Um, I know they do have testing for uh, mycotoxins. Yeah, the mycotoxins can be done at real-time laboratories, and um, you know they'll test for uh, the micro the uh, toxins of mold. And um, there are ways of testing your house. Um, yeah, I always recommend to people that they don't utilize a company that also does mold remediation because, you know, there's too much of a um, pressure to uh, to get business. So um, I hope that we answered that question. Does anybody else have any questions? I know you're out there. I can hear you breathing. If you have a question, please call in 646-595. Two two seven seven, and it's been my it's been our pleasure to have Sterling Hill, who is a pioneer. You can always tell a pioneer people because those are the people with all the arrows in their backs. And um, Cynthia Smith is also a pioneer, and um, just forging trails. And uh, Sean, who we could hear, but he was in his car. You know that's how much he wanted to be here tonight, and um, he's around somewhere. He hasn't called back so. Uh, maybe he just can't, um, got lost cell coverage. So is there anybody else that has any more questions? You know what, Jess, I'm wondering if Sterling, since we, since we have Sterling here, which is wonderful, if she could talk about the new variant report. Please. Okay, um, the new variant report... Um, it's going to be pretty interesting. We're going to bring it out in phases. Um, we are going to um, have a secure web server to hold your genome if you would like the updates. And this is going to be updated probably for years to come. And we are going to be doing more than 23andMe. Um, 
and um, we are still not going to put, like other genetic companies are doing, what vitamins to take and how this works, because as you hear, we're preaching, you don't treat the SNP, you treat the person, and people are getting hurt doing that. I personally met several that have got... I don't put that out there, but there will be a search for to find that basic things. Like, for instance, if you put in the word folate genes to do with folate, um, there will be um, charts and pathways that have been drawn out by Cynthia, and she's done a lot of work on these. We're going to add just different pathways besides folate and and the detox. Um, I don't know if how much detail um, that we can get into it right now, but there will be autoimmune sections and stuff like that, many other pathways to come. And why, um, you know, why is this going to be, how is this going to be different or more usable for the practitioner and more understandable for the layperson? Well, um, I think the pathways are going to show why you can't just look at a handful of SNPs. Um, you know, um, we have people out there that look fought like me. Um, we, we need to address those areas, too. We have um, people out there that have um, very, very rare genetic disorders that um, aren't picked up on the radar, and just because it's not this handful of SNPs that some other people are looking at, why should they be left out and not know their rare genetic defects? Because... A lot of the time, something can be potentially serious, and just one thing can make a difference in life or death. And um, the practitioner himself can be able to go in there. They'll be able to use this database and um, be able to um, run labs and put something related to that lab into the search port and everything that we've pulled out on there and data um, that has to do with a certain enzyme or... Um, a certain amino acid will come up for them. Um, I think it'll be very helpful, and um, we are going to have um, we're going to have um, information um, out to practitioners on how these things work. But um, still, the layperson, we don't want them to get information and say, "Hey, I can't afford a doctor." For instance, I have MTHFR. Let me take this folate and get hurt. So um, we, we don't want to see that happening, and we're seeing that happen with a lot of people. And we don't want to, I actually don't want to be a part of hurting someone again in this to help people. So I want the practitioner to be able to have that information. So with methylation and bioindividualized medicine, the practitioner will be able to get that information for the patient. I think it's very, very important um, that they do. and. Um, They'll um, be able to um, take classes, um, listen, learn, um, read information on how things work and why you shouldn't just look at one thing and maybe test for this when somebody has a suspected um, problem going on in a SNP um, and what to do and what, what, courses, what recourse to take um, when um, looking at these things. Um, you just can't. Again, like a lot of the questions I saw a trend today, I have MTHFR and I have this, this, and this. They're still looking at the SNP and not looking at the whole body. There's a lot more that comes into play with it. And um, I think that the practitioners will learn um, from this new report 
that um, you know there's a lot more to go going into this than just saying, hey, this person has a SNP, let's give them such and such vitamin and they're going to get better because it does not work that way. We've heard how many people come on tonight and say, well, I took this and I backfired or it didn't work. And we want to get past that too. And we want to um, be able to provide that on methylation and um, bio-individualized medicine as well. I'm, I'm sure I'm correct on that, right, guys? Absolutely. Uh, the biggest problem with teaching practitioners and, and um, uh, patients and uh, clients is that it's hard to picture the uh, polymorphisms when you're looking at them on anybody's app uh, in their proper biochemical pathway. Okay, if, if you have, um, you know, some of the biochemical pathways like, like Dr. Ben's and you have the SNPs in front of you, it becomes very bulky to try and, try and figure out, you know, who, what, where, when, and why, and how. But uh, I believe that your app is going to make it uh, more user-friendly. People are going to be able to look at the SNPs within the biochemical pathways, and it's going to make it more understandable and make better sense when we start talking about upstream and downstream effects. You know, people are going to see it. They're going to understand it. And um, hopefully they will um, stimulate their, um, their health care providers to learn more about it because this is, in fact, the wave of the future. Okay, this is the yes. way that we're going to answer those questions that haven't been able to be answered. Uh, we go right back to basics. We're always going back to the gut because that's the great creator of inflammation. Okay, but we have good yeah. science behind what we do. I know, I know everybody listens to me for my corny jokes, but um, the reality is that we have, um, you know, we have a ton of research behind all of this, and we are trying to make it understandable not only for the um, general public but for the practitioners who are genuinely interested in learning this and um but you know biochemistry was a long time ago um i have another question here what do you recommend for tests if you're doing 23andme i have adrenal thyroid issues but are treated and have cut out gluten dairy grains and the list goes on and on nothing and and on, goes on and on but nothing resolves Muscle testing says thyroid is weak, but all thyroid tests, uh, I think, are saying, she's saying that they're normal. Um, Can I say something? Have been done. Go ahead. Okay. When all else fails, um, uh, and um, I know many practitioners, and we're just learning about it too, um, when leaky gut cannot heal, um, and they've gone through this gluten-free, casein-free thing, they really have to look at oxalates. It's a must. Oxalates shut down the transulfuration pathway where you cannot um, make glutathione. Um, it will also shut down the folate pathway. So when you go take folate and you're still high oxalate with leaky gut, um, you can get in a lot of trouble. People are missing out on oxalates, and that is a huge, huge deal in leaky gut. Um, I just uh, can you explain what oxalates are? Um, well, please, please expand on that just for a moment. Can you explain what oxalates are and how they affect? Because um, there's been a lot of talk about oxalates, a lot of information and misinformation. Yeah, and since I we're will. on the subject, please, if you could expand on it, that'd be wonderful. I sure will. Um, well, first of all, um, there's a lady out there, and um, we're, we're probably going to have her on the show soon. Um, um, her name is Dr. Stephanie Seneff. She's a Ph.D. in biology. 
She's head of artificial intelligence at MIT. She's done a lot of the research on glyphosate. That's Roundup. Roundup is not only in GMO-ready foods, but it's also being sprayed on food, as we know. Mm. So just because it's not GMO doesn't mean that you don't have it on there. And um, glyphosate in itself is an antibiotic, and the way that they got um, – Monsanto got away with this in the beginning is that we don't have a shikimate pathway but microbials do so it kills the bugs but it doesn't kill the human but unfortunately we're only 10% human DNA and we're 90% microbial um, when glyphosate kills off those my good, good probiotics in our gut because it is an antibiotic um, what happens is we end up with the microscopic holes and we end up with leaky gut Glyphosate then turns into glyoxylate. Instead of scooping it out, say, because now you have leaky gut, those oxalates are now through your bloodstream, and they will shut off your transalteration pathway. Antibiotics will do the same thing. And then also, um, things, um, when this happens, um, you'll see things like drops in B6 and zinc. How many times do we hear pyroluria? Hmm. Okay. Um, High oxalates will, will dump B6 and zinc. And we never hear anybody on pyroluria boards talking about leaky gut and high oxalates. It's pretty scary. But they know that a lot of people with elevated oxalates have B6 and zinc dumping. Also, molybdenum issues as well sometimes because it shuts down that transsulfuration pathway, CVS. And um, there's a lot of foods high in oxalates. And those foods that were most good in the past good for us without the leaky gut because we would just move out the oxalates and get minimal through the bloodstream. Now we're getting high amounts and it's shutting down transulfuration. It also will chelate manganese, manganese out the body and um, affect people with SOD SNPs. And nobody ever talks about the superoxide dismutase pathway either and that's just as important as glutathione. Um, but oxalates can cause a lot of damage, and they know now that most, let's say, children with autism, almost each and every single one of them have elevated oxalates along with leaky gut. So are you saying that the leaky gut creates the oxalates? Leaky gut, um, the foods that are high in oxalates, let's say like spinach, is very good for most people. But if you have leaky gut, okay, spinach is one of the highest oxalate foods out there. It can actually, um, now when you didn't have the leaky gut, you would just prove out the oxalates, so you, you would get the rest of what you needed in that spinach for nutrition. Now you're not, when you have leaky gut, you're not only getting the good stuff, but you're getting that bad guy oxalate, okay? And that oxalate then shuts down transalteration pathway where you stop making glutathione, and then it can also shut down SOD you stop making superoxide dismutase, the two main things to fight disease in the body. So it is very extremely important to look at, and a lot of people aren't looking at it. Hopefully, um, maybe Dr. Susan Owens, I know she stays a really busy person, we can get her on the show as well to um, talk about how um, oxalate issues are ch shutting down um, transulfuration and then office shutting down the folate, folate cycle as well. So you can give, um, when you give somebody who's high in oxalates, let's say methylfolate, you can cause um, anxiety, panic attacks, backfire, shut everything down. Um, because you, you, they, they can't do anything with that. That pathway is just 
dormant. It's turned off. I just wanted to add, Stone, some of the manifestations of somebody who has issues, one of them are uh, kidney stones. Yeah, especially calcium oxalate kidney stones. Um, there's a huge in them. Um, um, sometimes they might not have that. Another one, because they're um, dumping a lot of the, um, B6, is enlarged spleen. You know, the spleen depend, depends on um, vitamin B6. And then pyloria is a big one, too, because um, B6 and zinc just plummet with um, leaky gut and high oxalates. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. That's really fascinating. Manganese, too. Manganese um, is a big issue, but you've got to be careful when you give people manganese because if they're low dopamine, you give them manganese, you can um, lower their dopamine even more. So a lot of people that do have SOD2 um, not working right um, will do wheatgrass instead. And they, get, they can't do a wheatgrass supplement on SOD supplement, SOD is such an unstable enzyme that by the time you um, take that wheatgrass and you cut it and you put it in that juicer, you want to do this within 20 minutes because that enzyme dies within 20 minutes. Wow. And you have a lot of people that pain. They, they're going um, gluten-free, barley-free, and stuff like that, and that's all the things you find um, superoxide dismutase in. Wheatgrass does not have gluten in it yet. It, as long as it doesn't grow more than 14 inches high, then that's when you want to grow a new batch of it. Very easy to grow. It takes about six days from sprouting it to growing it to be able to juice it. I um, grow three pods at a time um, every week, and it takes me probably less than 30 minutes a week to deal with it. Well, we are, uh, we're just about out of time. Thank you, Sterling. Uh, Sterling, if someone wanted to get in touch with you and, um, and consult with you, how would they do that? Um, they can contact me at bclotaware at gmail.com. That's B-E-C-L-O-T-A-W-A-R-E at gmail. And, Cynthia, if someone wanted to consult with you, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, C.Smith at LifeZoneWellness.com, but I have to say that I'm working a lot on this on these upcoming classes, and so I'm really trying to cut back on taking on new clients for the next month or so, um, and because I still have to support my current client load. But if somebody is you know is really interested, I'll take them on. Um, if not, Sean and Jeff are can do a wonderful job, and then I'll be back on on uh, track in, in November. Wonderful. I know uh, Sean's not on, but if anybody wanted to get in touch with Sean, he can. Uh, you can call 484-868-0916, or you can call my office at 610-449-9716, and that's how you can get in touch with me, or uh, Jess at drjessarmine.com, or info at bioindividualamed.com. Everybody, Sterling, Cynthia, thank you so much for being on. Uh, you guys are a wealth of information. I'm sitting here scribbling notes as you were talking. That typing was me answering questions and me typing notes. <laughs> Thanks so much again for being on. I appreciate it. You guys are the best. Thank you, guys. Okay. Have a good night, everyone. It was a good night. Nice talk. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time. 
just remember people you just heard from the three most brilliant people that I know and let me tell you something they've been working hard and they've been working long to bring answers where answers didn't exist bringing answers to people who've been told it's all in your head or you're just going to have to live with it this has not been just a fly-by-night operation. This has been years upon years upon years of study and years upon years of working with patients. And I'm proud to know them, proud to be associated with them. This is the uh, thing I've always dreamed about doing, and I'm getting to do it, so God's been good to me. And uh, your support is very much welcome. I appreciate you being here tonight, and I hope you guys have a good week. We're going to have interesting people coming on very soon. You guys have a good night. Take care.